Okay, so let's go further. Uh, this is part two. Sorry, I'd like to welcome back to part two of our current event weekly Bible study. In this particular uh, study, we're, we're taking a critical examination of pre-tribulation versus post-tribulation rapture. We're going to be continuing from part one, talking and segueing into now John Nelson Darby, who lived from November 18th, 1800 to April 29th, 1882. He was an Anglo-Irish evangelist and an influential figure among the original Plymouth Brethren. He is considered to be the father of the modern dispensationalism movement. Now, when you hear that word, I have people say, oh, you're a dispensationalist. That word to me is would encompass also believing in the premillennial view, meaning Jesus' literal reign on earth a thousand years. I believe in that. I also believe that there were different time frames where Jesus Christ dealt with different people in different ways. He dealt with them in the Garden of Eden in a certain way. He dealt with the Levitical, um, when, when um, the Jews took on the whole Levitical priesthood and the whole ceremonies and laws. We're not under that. So if you say, well, I don't believe in dispensationalism at all. If you mean dispensationalism in like periods of time where he dealt with different people different ways, the Bible says Christ is a better covenant. He ushered in a better covenant. Christ is the end of the law to them that believe. Does that mean that there's nothing we can garner or glean from the law? Obviously not. There, without the law, I would not have known sin. But I'm saying we're not under all these ceremonial Levitical laws. So, what are those? Those are different dispensations of time that he dealt with people in different ways. Okay, so, when you say, oh, well, you're a dispensationalist. Well, I believe in the literal thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean I believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. When somebody says you're a dispensationalist now, they and you can trace it back to John Nelson Darby, that means you believe in the pre-tribulation rapture and the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ together occurring. You know, I believe in one, but I don't believe in the other. And I do believe there's different dispensations where he obviously dealt with us in different ways. There's, I mean, from a scriptural standpoint, that's very easy to verify. So I just don't like that term being lumped in uh, like the preacher of rapture just being automatically lumped in with the term dispensationalism. In its classic sense, though, evidently that word is associated with John Nelson Darby. He's actually considered to be the father of modern dispensationalism. So I just wanted to clarify that a little bit. As a system, dispensationalism is rooted in the writings of John Nelson Darby and the, the Brethren movement. The theological the theology of dispensationalism consists of distinctive eschatological, eschatological and end times perspective as all dispensationalists hold to premillennialism and most hold to pre-tribulation rapture. So most of the time if somebody says, oh, you're a dispensationalist, that means they think that you're pre-trib. Okay? I wasn't fully aware of that until I really broke these words down. So... Anyway, just so you know, hopefully that will clarify things. They like to lump it all together. He produced, John Darby, 
produced a translation of the Bible based on Hebrew and Greek texts called the Holy Scriptures, a new translation from the original languages by John Nelson Darby. Darby was part of the Irvinite movement. He was strongly influenced by Edward Irving, the guy we previously mentioned, the Scottish preacher that retranslated the book from Lacunza, the Catholic Jesuit priest. Ah, yes, the same guy. The Scottish pastor who is pretty much single-handedly credited with the Catholic Apostolic Movement. Yeah, same guy. John Darby was heavily influenced by Lacunza's book, The Jesuit Priest, who was translated into English by Irving. And particularly by a book written by a guy named Norton of the vision of Margaret MacDonald. So now we've got Mrs. Trance going into her trance, seeing all the believers raptured before the tribulation. And then we've got what, what, what influenced John Darby the most? Well, that trance and that vision, and then the confirmation he received in the Jesuit priest Lacunza's book. Wow. And this is the guy that start, was credited as, as starting the modern day dispensationalist movement? And when I say that, I'm using their context, saying, okay, dispensationalism, John Darby, pre-trib rapture, and premillennialism. Premillennialism, thousand-year reign of Christ, that's biblical. Pre-trib, not biblical. So just understand, they're lumping all that together. So, but those are the two main events that, that influenced John Nelson Darby. By 1850, John Darby had organized the Jesuit fraud of two second comings of the Lord Jesus Christ and the pre-trib rapture fraud into a system of prophetic teachings called dispensationalism. That's where it really started really getting rolling and cranked up. Two second comings of the Lord Jesus Christ. John Darby. Now, if you go back and if you want to look at the timeline, the detailed timeline of all the stuff going on, which is in this PDF, then you will see that there was, for a long time, John, Nelson, John Darby, like the other people that would of the time, was post-trib. He was post-trib for a long, long, long time. He got convinced of this through this vision and through this Jesuit priest book that was translated into English. I mean, that's not exactly, you know, the things that you would look to to be biblically convinced about something. I think we would all agree with that. And this is the guy that started modern-day dispensationalism? Wow, I mean, how many red flags do we need to see at this point? All of it's bad. All of it's rotten fruit so far. By their fruit, you shall know them. This is not producing good fruit. In the 1860s, John Darby was put on the payroll of British East India Company. The British East India Company has historically been held by the Illuminati bloodlines of the European royalty. John Darby was sent to America with the specific Illuminati goal of weakening the strong faith of American Christians through dispensationalism. Whoa, what a bombshell that one is. Uh, that's pretty major. What I just read, that last sentence, that's pretty major. I'm just highlighting that right now. John Darby was sent to America with specific Illuminati goal of weakening the strong faith of American Christians through 
dispensationalism? Yeah. The East India Company and the British East India Company men had a habit of giving grants to pseudo-Christian evangelists. Rockefeller, yeah, Rockefeller, and his fellow travelers followed suit, fostering evangelical Christianity while hiding their true intentions, which was to attain political power in the United States and then around the world, as old John D. Rockefeller demonstrated. In the United States, it was the Christian fundamentalist sect who were introduced to John Nelson Darby's dispensationalism. In China, it was uh, the China Inland Mission. And in South Africa, prior to the age, prior to the Anglo-Boer War, it was the London Missionary Society. See, they had all ways they were trying to infiltrate the Christian church, the Illuminati. All of these Christian organizations appear to have been well-funded. The Quakers established communistic-like communes during the Revolutionary War and enjoyed strong financial support from William Aldrich, an ancestor of Nelson Aldrich Rockefeller and Stephen Hopkins. See, this is a whole other thing. Wow, I mean, pretty heavy duty. On a related point, I'm going to read you a little excerpt from, it's entitled, 21 Goals of the Illuminati and the Committee of 300, by John, Dr. John Coleman. Goal number 13, to continue to build up the cult of Christian fundamentalism begun by the British East India Company's servant, servant Darby. This is one of the goals of the Illuminati and the Committee of 300. Goal number 13, the number of rebellion to continue to build up the cult of Christian fundamentalism begun by the British East India Company's servant Darby. What is that? What is it mostly based on? The pre-tribulation rapture. If we're talking about Darby in particular. And then it goes on to say, which will be misused to strengthen the Zionist state of Israel by identifying with the Jews through the myth of God's chosen people and by donating very substantial amounts of money to what they mistakenly believe is a religious cause in the furtherance of Christianity. Now, what that would get into, and this isn't Jew bashing, what that would get into is what John Hagee's done, where he believes in ethnic salvation. The Jews don't need to be witnessed to. They're, they're, Jews, they're saved by virtue of the blood flowing through their veins. It's called ethnic salvation. Literally giving money for the rebuilding of the temple of Jerusalem. Literally giving money. I, I'm not saying we're not supposed to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and love Israel and pray to God for their salvation and, 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 and to never believe that God's not done with them. I've taught a lot on that. But you don't go so far as to give money to rebuild the temple where they're going to reinstitute animal sacrifices. How much of an affront to the blood of Jesus Christ is that? Okay, so there is a line you have to draw. You, you, you never get to the point where you believe, well, they don't need to be saved because they're Jews and we don't need to witness to them. This is the, We're getting men into the, the whole vein of Christian Zionism, Messianic Judaism, Hebrew Roots Movement, which I've done many, many studies exposing. I've done studies exposing uh, Hagee. Just keying these, just keying Hebrew or Hagee or whatever in the search box at contendingfortruth.com, I got into these subjects in detail. So don't, so don't mis, uh, misunderstand what the, that phrase I just read and the goals of the Illuminati of the Committee of 300 as, you know, um, 
going after the Jews or saying God's done with the Jews. Okay. And then continuing with this goal, it says the goal of the ruling elite was to create and encourage dispensationalism. One of the main reasons for developing dispensationalism was to use it to strengthen Zionism, Christian Zionism. At the extreme end of dispensationalism, we have John Hagee and his Christians united for Israel. That's just an excerpt of this 21 goals of the Illuminati and the Committee of 300. Now, John Nelson Darby, let's look a little more at him. Was he a closet theosophist? John Darby's uh, marked, Darby marked doctrinal writings with theosophical terms. John Nelson Darby was the father of dispensationalism, used occult language throughout his doctrinal writings and letters. The majority of the phrases are found in Kabbalistic theological, theosophical literature. Theosophy, like Madame Blavatsky, you know, the, the actual founder of theosophy, who through then people like Alice Bailey and then Benjamin Krim have promoted all these ascended masters. Oh yeah, same one. He had his writings marked with the same Kabbalistic theosophical literature. See how everything ties together? Illuminati. We've got the papacy. We've got the Illuminati. We've got theosophy. We've got the ascended masters. We've got all the stuff that I've done all these teachings on now all kind of melding together to get you into a certain mind frame where they want you to be thinking, and in this case, pre-trib rapture. John Darby had to learn these Kabbalistic theosophical terms, these esoteric terms somewhere else, not in the Bible. And he deliberately integrated them into his theological treaties and letters. His merging of the theosophical vocabulary with supposedly biblical teachings is a form of what they call syncretism. Note, the fact that Mr. Darby died six years before Theosophy's co-founder, Helena Petrova-Blavatsky, published her masterwork, The Secret Doctrine, has no bearing upon the use of theosophical specific terms and ideas. Theosophy is ancient, and it originates with Satan, not with H.P. Blavatsky or Henry Steele Occult. Uh, Do you believe... Do you really believe the Holy Spirit led John Nelson Darby and other brethren leaders, Plymouth brethren leaders, to the use of Luciferic terms to refer to God and to, suppo- and to teach supposedly recovered biblical truths? Yeah, I've seen a lot of this today, too. Remember that whole teaching that I did on Sir Isaac Newton? Oh, we're going to recover. We're going to, David Flynn, he's going to recover the stuff from, from Isaac Newton, and, and, and use it for God's glory, all his occultic writing. doesn't work that way. Who was also a Rosicrucian, a, a high-level occultist? You know, Sir Isaac Newton being. <laughs> it's a big theme that you'll see when Satan's trying to infiltrate the church, he's going to try to use occultic things, bring them in, and make them appear Christian. Infiltrate. Beware of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Jesus Christ's warning. Bad leaven. That's why I say really the primary thing you need to be focusing in on is the Word of God. Not books. I'm not saying there's no good books, but I'm saying be careful. You know, I can't sit down, I mean, I'm not going to sit down, I don't have the time to sit down and read a whole bunch of books written by men. I have a hard enough time getting into the Word of God as is, is busy as I am with the ministry. And I'm not going to devote that time I would have normally put into the Word of God and devoted to, to these books. 
The Word of God is living. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's a light under my feet and, and a lamp under my path. All of these different things the Word of God is that these other books are not. They're not. They cannot substitute. The Holy Spirit actually lives and breathes through the Word of God, the King James Bible in the English-speaking language. He doesn't, I'm not saying he can't work through other books, but not to the same extent he can when you read the Word of God itself. There's a difference. Cleanse thyself through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You know, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And that's why I really key on that. I'm not saying no, all books are bad. I'm just saying, in today's day and age, my word, you go into a, a Christian bookstore, most of it's lukewarm garbage. I don't even, rarely do I ever go into those places, unless like there's something like I need a Bible highlighter. <laughs> it's about the only time I go in those places, you know. They got good Bible highlighters, I'll give them that. They don't bleed through the page. Probably pay triple the amount of money for them, but hey, they got to make their money. Anyway, um, that's really about the only time I go in. Anyway, I, well, the last one I went into was neat. They had their own little Catholic section. They had their crucifixes and all kind of pontifical things that you could buy, all the little cursed objects that they were, you know. Uh, making merchandise out of out of uh, these nice occult objects. Hey, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure that doesn't bother God. No, I mean sh- profiting off the things of Satan. Why would that bother God? You know, all these lukewarm heretical works that that they're promoted, Rick Warren's books, and all these emerging Christianity. Oh, I'm sure that doesn't bother God. Come on, why can't we all just lighten up a little bit? No, it's an abomination in God's sight. So I'm just telling you, I'm not going to be pointing you to me or any other person. I'm going to point you back to the Word of God. Now, this history, you can go verify for yourself what we're going over today. You can go verify it for yourself. But I've I've already laid it out for you here. And there's a lot of different links you can click on in this PDF that will take you to various things if you want to explore it further. So, going further here, So do you really believe the Holy Spirit led John Nelson Darby and other Plymouth Brethren leaders to the Luciferian terms to refer to God and to teach supposedly recovered biblical truths? Darby used some of these phrases frequently, but for the sake of brevity, I've cited uh, one reference from Theosophy writings and one reference from Darby's writings for each term. Now for the full report, I'm not going to even go into those because we don't have time to do that. But I give you the link, libertytothecaptives.net. And I give you the link here, it's on page 5 of the PDF. You can click on that, you can go through all the the parallels between those. Um, More examples of Darby's and other other Plymouth Brethren theologians' use of theosophical terminology may be found at stempublishing.com. And then there's also three different links here. John Darby's Christ compared to Alice Bailey's Theosophical Christ. It's always good when you can when you're kind of in league with Alice Bailey. I mean, you, you go to Share International's website, Benjamin Krem, Devil Betraya. Okay, Betraya's website, United Nations sponsor. He claims to be everything to all people: the fifth Buddha, the Krishna, the Messiah to the Jews, the Christ of the Christians, the Imam Mahdi of the Muslims. Claims to be all these things wrapped up in one package. You go to his website, Benjamin Krem is false prophet. 
the main books they will point you to if you want to learn more and get higher enlightenment is to Alice Bailey's books. It's a whole laundry list of Alice Bailey's writings, which were channeled through demonic supposed ascended masters. They were all channeled, like with automatic writing. Who, Alice Bailey was a disciple of Madame Blavatsky, who started the Theosophical Movement, who wrote like fun books like Isis Unveiled and these types of really, really high-level Luciferian occult books. No red flags there. I don't know why I'm all getting all, you know, all upset about this. I, again, I just need to lighten up a little bit, I guess. I just, when you start connecting the dots, it's so flagrant what's going on here. And then the next, the next length is occult New Age markings on the John Darby Bible. So his own Bible has a lot of nice occult New Age markings. And then John Darby's version, Dispensationally Manipulated. There's three different links if you want to know more about John Darby. i give you all those. Okay, so let's go further. Americans were and have been proven to be particularly easy to be taken by the Jesuit-originated non-scriptural doctrines of the pre-trib rapture. The reason is because of what is the makeup of the people group known as Americans. Well, this is speculation, but they bring up a point here. Perhaps the best way of describing the American people group is one which came from a stock of hard-working, risk-taking, God-fearing people, maybe a long time ago, for the most part, who delight in making plans and taking special delight in having their plans come together. Americans are good planners in general. As a, as a people group, they do not want God messing up their plans unless he would poof them out of the, of, in a fabled pre-trib rapture to heaven before anything bad would happen to otherwise mess up their plans. <laughs> well, that's kind of a good point. You know, I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm sure that a lot of people would take great offense to that. I didn't say it, they said it. Uh, let's face it, the pre-trib rapture is um, much more comforting to believe than the post-trib rapture. Which I, as a long-time pre-trib believer, though I never really checked into it, like I should have, was one of, I'm not going to deny that it wasn't one of my motivating factors to not want to believe the post-trib. It's very comforting. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? My heart liked it. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death, though. The Bible says that. I'm not saying that everybody believes in pre-trib is going to hell. I'm just saying that, you know, it's, it's, uh, the heart is deceitful above all things. Let's go further. In America, in the 1860s, Darby's two second comings dispensational interpretations met with wide open reception. 1860s. Now we're really starting to get cranked up where this theory is starting to become prevalent. It met wide open reception across the entire spectrum of American and Protestant biblical Christianity. Okay, so who was Darby most heavily influenced by in this thing? Well, the Illuminati sent him to do what he's going to do to destroy the faith of Christians. Where did he get these theories? Well, once some crazy lady that had a vision about a rapture before the tribulation started, McDonald. And then the other was Lacunza's book, The Catholic Jesuit Priest, who wrote about the pre-trib rapture for the first time. 
that's a really good foundation to build my prince, you know, my belief system on. I mean, I, I can't blame him. Obviously, I'm being sarcastic. A lawyer, a very dubious character who had become a con- congregationalist preacher named C.I. Schofield, came under the influence of Darby and the Plymouth Brethren. Schofield then published the Schofield Reference Bible, promoting the preacher of rapture and mostly know, and, and most known the history from that point certainly has, in part, led to the great apostasy and falling away from the faith. Wow. Well, this is when it's really getting cranked up and really getting accepted. Schofield Reference Bible, which promotes the preacher of rapture. That's why people say, what's a great, what's a great reference Bible? I don't know. I don't really know. I'm very, you know, I mean, the ones with commentaries? I don't really know. I'm very reluctant, because then you get into the whole man's writings alongside the Word of God. I, I will not even recommend that. Now, it's one thing to have a reference Bible where you have different Bible verses connecting to others that are in relation to that. But when you start to get into all of these, oh, it means this and that, well, you've got to be really careful. Schofield then published the Schofield Reference Bible promoting the preacher rapture, the most known, and most know the history from that point certainly has in part led to the great apostasy and great falling away from the faith. Well, you mean like in Second Thessalonians chapter 2? There will come a falling away? Hmm, yeah. Falling away of the faith. The apost- which is translated from the word apostia, I believe. Apostasy of the church. That's what the Bible says was going to happen prior to the, reveal, the revealing of the Antichrist. And then that wicked will be revealed. I believe it's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. So this is what the Bible predicted is going to happen. So this is why we should be more on guard in today's day and age than any other time. But people get, let's say they get, let's, let's give them the benefit of the doubt, they get saved, and they just believe whatever's told them. And they, they're, without really searching the Bible out for themselves to see if the theory they're believing in is true. It's what I did, pretty much. Why, why, why am I going to judge anyone else? It's pretty much what I did. It's what most people do. They trust their, their pastors or their preachers. Well, they've gotten... This is all they've ever gotten from the cemeteries. I mean, the seminaries that they've went to. The seminaries, since, you know, for over 100 years then, started propagating this to their preachers, then they propagate it to their people, and everybody gets corrupted with this bad doctrinal leaven. That's why it's so prevalent today. That's why it's like, how could you possibly question the pre-tribulation rapture? Listen, you need to pretty much be questioning anything that's been all of a sudden taught in modern day times as truth. If the foundation's been corrupted, you know, it's going to corrupt you if you buy into it. To a certain extent. Darby traveled widely in Europe and Britain in the 1830s and in the 1840s and established many brethren assemblies. He gave 11 significant lectures in Geneva in 1840 on the hope of the church. These established his reputation as a leading interpreter of biblical prophecy. The beliefs he disseminated then are still being propagated in various forms at places such as Dallas Theological Seminary, one of the main cemeteries on the planet, 
for preachers, and Bob Jones University, and by authors and preachers such as Hal Lindsey and Tim LaHaye. Oh, the Left Behind series, the late great planet Earth, you better believe it. But that's all anybody ever really knows about, a, a, a lot of the Christians that have gotten saved. They don't know any other view. Yes, it's really that bad. Before the Left Behind series, Big Money Maker, was Hal Lindsey. I mean, you have to just think, in the apostate time we're living in, you better be questioning all of these supposed widely accepted theories that the, quote, church is putting out. If it was really, really, really biblical truth, do you think Satan would just let this stuff get disseminated just so easily, like in Left Behind and all the movies and Tribulation Force or whatever? You don't think there'd be more resistance to it or more con- condemnation of it? Before the Left Behind series, Big Money Maker was Hal Lindsey's The Late Great Planet Earth, which was a record-breaking bestseller in the 1970s. I could do a whole teaching on Hal Lindsey and... Uh, Tim LaHaye. I've done I've done stuff on Tim LaHaye. I have mentioned Lindsay before too. Huge problems, gigantic, with their ministries. Like Lindsay, LaHaye's Big Money Maker series perpetuates a huge misunderstanding of Scripture based on Darby's dispensationalist theology. In 2004, a Newsweek poll found that 55% of Americans believe that the faithful will be taken up to heaven in a pre-trib rapture. A 2004 Newsweek poll found that 55% of Americans believe the faithful will be taken up to heaven in a pre-trib rapture. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to believe that? That's all you'd ever known or seen? Or, yeah, sure, that sounds great. I want to believe that, yeah. Let's go further. When Christ returns, every eye shall see him. Jesus said four times in John 6 that the resurrection is on the last day, like Paul said at the last trump. Jesus said that he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. The end is the end. And Jesus said he sends his angels for his elect at the end or immediately after the tribulation. And we're going to prove that scripturally. We haven't even got into the scriptures yet. The success of the, quote, Left Behind series is a testimony of how the faith, the common salvation for which we are, were to, are to earnestly contend for, has been corrupted. That's that verse in Jude. The corruption has been done to make fortunes for men who make merchandise of the souls of men who buy their corrupted doctrines. Just as Peter said, through through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgments now whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not in their damnation slumbereth not. That's really heavy duty. Remember what I just said about the whole Christian bookstore thing? Tim, Tim LaHaye left behind all this stuff. All these books. Through covetousness, covetousness shall they with feigned words, false words, make merchandise of you. That's what they're doing. It is a fact that Darby dispensational Pre-trip rapture was not believed anywhere in Christianity until the 1800s. And that's the very... And we're moving into the end times, this time that Jesus said, Be not deceived. 
God said in 2 Thessalonians, For this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned who received not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. They that endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. All these verses in the Bible, we, we really need to be on, on guard about this, I think. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, pastor of Metropolitan Tabernacle and the contemporary of Darby, published criticism of Darby and Brethrenism. His main criticism was that Darby and the Plymouth Brethren rejected the vicarious purpose of Christ's obedience as well as his imputed righteousness. He viewed these as such importance and so central to the gospel that it led him to the statement about the rest of their belief, where he said, quote, with deadly heresies... now." Charles Haddon Spurge is generally regarded by, you know, most modern day Baptists and these types of people and Christians as a solid preacher. Okay? He said, quote, with the deadly heresies entertained and taught by the Plymouth Brethren, in relation to some of the most momentous of all doctrines of the gospel, I feel assured that my readers will not be surprised at any other views, however unscriptural and pernicious they may be. Pernicious meaning like premeditated evil. However unscriptural and pernicious they may be, which the Darbyites, the ones that follow John Darby, have embraced and zealously seek to propagate. End of quote. That's what he thought about them. The Schofield Reference Bible was destined to have a tremendous impact upon the, upon the beliefs of many. There were three million copies published in the first 50 years. Uh, through this Bible, Schofield carried the teaching of the two second comings and the two-stage rapture to almost the whole American Christianity. But where really, I, I think what they don't maybe recognize enough is how it was propagated through the seminaries. And then the preachers went, if the head is sick, the body's going to be sick. If, if, if the head's going to teach bad doctrine, the body's going to learn the bad doctrine and believe it. So through the Schofield Bible carried the teaching of the two second comings and the two-stage rapture to almost certainly the whole American Christianity. Also, the Lord Jesus Christ said it would be like this in the last days of such strong delusion with the vast majority of preachers having been taught these Jesuit doctrines in the Jesuit-infiltrated Protestant seminaries. Remember what the Jesuits said? They infiltrate every aspect of Christianity. Anything they view as heretical, they... They infiltrate. Matthew 24, 24 says, There shall arise many false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. The truth train of history of the pre-trip rapture doctrine begins with two Jesuit priests. The first name, Ribera. His writings influenced the Jesuit priest Lacunza. Lacunza influenced Irving, the Scottish minister who transferred it, who translated his book into English. Irving influenced then Darby, and then also that crazy McDonald lady who had the vision influenced Darby. Darby influenced Schofield. Schofield and Darby influenced D.L. Moody. And Moody influenced a very large part of evangelical Christianity and almost the entire Pentecostal movement. Someone 
once said, all roads lead to Rome. And in this case, the pre-trib rapture doctrines, in regard to the pre-trib rapture doctrines, that remains accurate. You see the progression? You see the infiltration? You see the leaven? It's, it's so obvious. And again, for a much more detailed timeline of the pre-trib rapture theory, go to the end of this PDF. I don't know where it starts, but it's, it's probably about 10 pages. And scan through it. And you can see a much more detail. He's got a thousand, the guy that put that out has a thousand dollar reward for anybody that would want to uh, try to challenge it. He actually flew overseas and verified all this stuff. Uh, then they quote this quote, uh, To seek the truth from God, we must be totally honest with ourselves. That's all we're really doing today. We're just documenting the obvious. This is documented, well-known stuff I'm going over. It may not be largely disseminated through the church, but it is It's easily verifiable, this stuff. The Lord, our Lord, the King of Kings, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He also said that when the Holy Spirit came, he would lead us into all truth. If we are truly disciples of Christ, we must accept all truth, no matter where it leads. As long as it doesn't contradict the Word of God, obviously. John 8, 31 and 32 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Most people just want to say, Oh, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. No, that's dependent on the verse before. If you continue in my word, Jesus said. That's why I'm always pointing people back to the word of God. Not myself, not any other preacher or pastor. Not to say that there's not other good, there's not good preachers out there. Not to say I'm good, I'm just saying. But I just would primarily, I know that I'm not doing the wrong thing if I point you to the word of God. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The washing of the water of the word. Sanctify me through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify means to be made holy and set apart. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation and forever. Psalm 12, verse 6 and 7. So, again, very, very important. <clears throat> and then it ends by saying Isaiah 21, 6. For thus hath the Lord said unto me, Go, set a watchman, let him declare what he seeth. Well, that's all I've ever claimed to be as a watchman. I'm just declaring what I see, and it's real obvious. <laughs> it's not like, well, I don't know if I can buy that. <laughs> it's, it's, his, it's verifiable history. I mean, you've got, you got it all in here. You've got the Illuminati, you've got the Catholic Jesuits, you've got the Catholic Church, the Pope, you've got Jesuit priests infiltrating things, you've got people on the Illuminati's payroll, you've got all kind of cults and cultic beliefs and unbiblical denominations thrown in here, you've got the love of money, you've got everything in here. You don't have that with with historical premillennialism, which is essentially post-tribulation rapture. 
There's none of these controversies. We're going to look at that in a second. I have a little chart here of comparison of Christian tribulation views, pre-tribulation, mid-trib, post-trib. It's a little visual you can look at. You know, when the rapture, the church, second coming, what each one believes. Okay? So there's a little visual there. Mid-tribulation, I'm just going to say a quick paragraph on this. Believe that the rapture of the faithful will occur halfway through the tribulation. And will endure the phase of the tribulation which tests their faith, but that they will be removed before the last half occurs. Because that three and one half year period is manifestly dominated by the wrath of God falling on those who reject him. Supporters of this view often cite 1 Thessalonians 5.9, which says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. I cannot imagine hanging my whole hat on that one verse. We're, we're raptured in the middle because it says that one verse. Oh, come on. Is that all you've got? We're going to do a whole Bible study on this. Really go in depth. I mean, more in depth than I've ever done on anything ever. <laughs> I'm not going to... I mean... Oh, anyway, we will talk about that verse later at length. Just that's all I'm going to say about it for now. Okay, so that's all I'm going to say about mid-trib. Post-tribulation rapture. I'm, and I'm, some of this I've already said. I'm going to re-repeat so we have a little more of a foundation. This doctrine holds that there is a resurrection rapture of living believers in Jesus Christ at the end of the age. End of the seven-year tribulation, more specifically. Um... Okay, so post-tribulation raptures believe that Christians will remain on earth through the first three-and-a-half-year tribulation period and the second three-and-a-half-year great tribulation period. Okay, that's the great tribulation, the second three-and-a-half period. This later period starts at the abomination of desolation and ends at the Battle of Armageddon, uh, the latter period now. The elect will be gathered by his angels to meet Christ in the air, raptured at Christ's second coming. This is usually understood as being in line with what they call historic premillennialism. Historic premillennialism, again, I've already said this, could more objectively be called post-tribulational premillennialism. This is the historic position of the church. The use of the term historic implies that this point of view is the historical view of premillennialists, while pre-tribulation is a new theory. Post-tribulational premillennialism is the Christian eschatology eschatological view that teaches that the second coming of Jesus Christ will occur prior to the thousand year reign of um, Jesus Christ and the saints, but subsequently to the great apostasy and the tribulation. Historic premillennialism draws its name from the fact that the early church fathers, Irenaeus, Polycarp, Apostle John, Justin Martyr, Papias, held to this theology. Historic premillennialism was a popular view among Protestant Christians Actually, you couldn't call them Protestants, though. Again, they were the ones that particularly came out of only the Catholic Church. It was popular view among Christians, real Christians. Early church fathers, the whole nine yards. Okay, uh, But it was, it was a popular view among who they term as Protestant Christians until the rise of dispensationalism in the 19th and 20th century. See, it's a foregone conclusion that the pre-trib, which I'm just going to say and lump it in like they like to lump it in, the pre-trib rapture theory, dispensationalism, which John Darby's credited of starting, who was an occultist, who had his own little occult Bible, who was heavily influenced by the things I've said, Catholic uh, book, 
by the Jesuit and the uh, the uh, crazy um, vision that Mar- Margaret MacDonald had. That's where he got it all from. This premillennialism, uh, historic premillennialism, was popular among Protestant Christians until the rise of dispensationalism, started by Darby in the 19th and 20th centuries. I mean, that by itself should make us, should throw up so many red flags, particularly after what we've looked at. Uh, proponents of historic premillennialism, post-trib rapture essentially, include Baptist John Gill, Charles Spurgeon, Benjamin Wills Newton, uh, who was a contemporary and fierce theological rival of the father of dispensationalism, John Nelson Darby, who we've already exposed just now. Also, post-millennial, or um, not post-millennial, um, post-trib was also uh, taught by George Eldon Ladd, Clarence Bass, uh, Francis Schaeffer, Gordon Clark, and James Montgomery Boyce. And just, there's links to all these men. Okay, so let's go ahead and stop here. And the next thing we're going to get into is a uh, it's a PDF that Pastor Sam Adams of Independence Baptist Church in Bellevue, Florida had put out just really going through a step-by-step biblical look at the pre-trib rapture as opposed to the post-trib rapture. How, what can we reconcile in Scripture as being obviously the right viewpoint, which is what we're going to be looking at next. And I'm not going to get into that yet because I want to start on that in a fresh part. So I'm going to go ahead and end part two here and we'll go to part three next. God bless you.